0: It's 6 p.m., and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, September 20th, 2021. It's time for the KVMR Evening News. The fight continues to save some of California's oldest and biggest trees from wildfires as firefighters battle the nearly 24,000 acre KNP complex fire in Sequoia National Park. That's up ahead on the California report. Then, in national Native news, Native women's advocates march on the Navajo capital, calling on leaders and lawmakers to allocate funds to address sexual abuse and missing and murdered Indigenous people. We'll take a look at regional headlines and weather before Sid Brown takes us for a walk in the park to close out our newscast.
1: This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. The fight continues to save some of the world's oldest and biggest trees from wildfires. Some 800 firefighters are battling the KNP Complex Fire, which has burned over 21,000 acres and threatens giant sequoias in Sequoia National Park east of Fresno. Crews have been working to protect some of the trees by wrapping their bases in fire-resistant aluminum foil and clearing ground foliage around them. That includes the famed General Sherman sequoia, a California icon. It's 275 feet tall and at least 2,300 years old and is considered the largest tree by volume in the world. As of this morning, the General Sherman appears safe. Meanwhile, because of dry conditions and forecast high winds of up to 40 miles per hour, the National Weather Service has issued a red flag warning for a vast swath of Northern California. The warning is expected to remain in effect until 8 p.m. this evening. A red flag warning means conditions exist to create a critical fire danger. People are advised to be especially aware of their behavior and to extinguish all outdoor fires over concerns about flying sparks and embers. And Pacific Gas and Electric says it's possible that electricity continued to flow through a set of power lines for several hours after a tree fell into them and ignited the Dixie fire. That, according to court filings from the company, KQED's Alex Emsley reports. The utility says since the Dixie fire started July 13th, it's boosted the sensitivity of safety equipment on similar power lines. Had that been done earlier, the fire may have been prevented. But that also makes power outages more common. The company also admits an employee considered remotely cutting power to the line early in the morning, but decided against it. Instead, it took about nine hours for a worker to get to a set of blown fuses and discover the fire that had likely just ignited. The fire has now burned for over two months, grown to nearly a million acres, and destroyed over a thousand homes and other buildings. For the California Report, I'm Alex Hemsley. Los Angeles County health officials have added in-home care workers to the list of high-risk health jobs that must get COVID-19 vaccines by the end of this month. The move has emboldened advocacy groups who are pushing to make it statewide. KPCC health reporter Jackie Fortier has the details.
2: These aids help people with developmental disabilities eat, bathe, and use the bathroom. Because they are so physically close, there's a high risk of COVID transmission from an unvaccinated person. We really hope that the state of California looks at L.A. County as a model. Judy Mark is president of Disability Voices United, an advocacy group. She says the 200,000 Californians with developmental disabilities outside of L.A. County should also be protected. We know there are other counties in the state that are not going to be as forward-thinking, and so we need the state now to act to protect our most vulnerable. Health workers in California hospitals, nursing homes, and adult daycare centers must be vaccinated or file a medical or religious exemption. But so far, the state hasn't included in-home health aides, even though they do the same intimate work. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles.
1: And staying in LA County, health officials are offering school districts the option of allowing unvaccinated students who have come in contact with someone who's tested positive for COVID-19 to continue with in-person classroom instruction. Here's Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer.
2: Those who qualify for modified quarantine include close contacts whose exposure took place at school or at a school-supervised activity when both the close contact and the case were masked during the entire exposure period, and the close contacts are not part of a defined outbreak.
1: Now, any exposed students must remain asymptomatic throughout the duration of the modified quarantine period and must remain at home other than when they take part in classroom instruction. If the student tests negative five days after the exposure, the quarantine period will end after a week. The new guidance comes as coronavirus cases have declined by 40 percent over the last three weeks across all pediatric age groups in Los Angeles County. Let's turn to the economy. A statewide bill that aims to diversify California's arts and culture workforce and jobs that pay a living wage has landed on the governor's desk after winning near-unanimous support in the Assembly and Senate. The California Creative Workforce Act is a first of its kind in the country, as KQED's Chloe Veltman reports.
3: California's creative sector contributes well over $200 billion, or a quarter, of the country's entire creative economy. But the devastating impact of COVID-19 on the cultural industries has made this new legislation a matter of urgency, says State Senator Susan Rubio, who represents the San Gabriel Valley, and co-authored the bill.
4: To encourage people that want to go into the creative arts to to explore the opportunity, but also be able to support those artists that are currently unemployed and provide a pathway to sustainable jobs.
3: Usha Srinivasan is the founder and CEO of Mosaic America, a small community arts nonprofit in Silicon Valley that relies mostly on volunteers. She welcomes the legislation, which would set up grant programs that creative sector employers like Mosaic could use to hire people. So, would that
2: potential Actually could do is help organizations like ours that would love to
3: have people that we are able to pay and we can train. But the bill doesn't say how the proposed grants will be funded. That's one of Patricia Bates's issues with it. The San Diego and Orange County state senator sent KQED a written statement saying, "quote It does not specifically address who is eligible for the program, where the money will come from." and how that money will exactly be used. Susan Rubio agrees the funding is a concern. But I think before the funding comes, we need to establish the program. Rubio says if the governor signs the bill into law, the state's Arts Council and Workforce Development Board will create program guidelines, and only then will advocates push for funding from the state budget. For The California Report, I'm Chloe Veltzman.
2: Support for The California Report comes from Water Heaters Only. Specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968, licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare.
1: And that is the California Report for Monday, September 20th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening and have a good day.
0: Up next in national native news. Three elementary schools in Oregon's Corvallis School District are undergoing name changes. The schools, formerly named after U.S. presidents with pasts involving slavery or racism, are now named for Bessie Coleman, Letitia Carson, and Katherine Jones-Harrison. Then, a look at the co-creator and cast of
4: Reservation Dogs Emmy Award presentation. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The Corvallis School District has changed the name of three schools. They now honor people of color. KLCC's Brian Bull reports.
1: Last year, the Corvallis School Board approved a resolution to have three elementary schools drop the names of U.S. Presidents Thomas Jefferson, Woodrow Wilson, and Herbert Hoover. All three have passed involving slavery or racism. The schools are now named for Bessie Coleman, the first black and indigenous woman to get a pilot's license. Letitia Carson, a black woman who claimed land in Oregon despite state laws at the time. And Catherine Jones Harrison of the Confederated Tribes of the Grand Ronde, who's advocated for the restoration of tribal statuses and lands and education. School board co-chair, Lahui Whitebear.
5: There's a really strong tie to this area and with the local schools so that's one of the reasons why her being chosen was so significant. Also just the work that she has done throughout her life.
1: Among the influences cited for the name change was the Black Lives Matter movement. For National Native News, I'm Brian Bull.
4: The co-creator and cast of Reservation Dogs presented at the 2021 Emmy Awards Sunday night which aired live on CBS. Clips of their presentation talking about indigenous representation in Hollywood is being shared widely on social media. Co creator Sterling Harjo took to the stage saying, We're here on television's biggest night as creators and actors, proud to be indigenous people working in Hollywood.
1: Representing the first people to walk upon this
4: continent. And And we are really happy to be here. Thankfully, networks and streamers are now. Now, beginning to produce and develop shows created by and starring indigenous people.
5: It's a good start, which can lead us
4: to the day when telling stories from underserved communities will be the norm, not the
5: exception. (laughs) Because like life, TV is at its best when we all have a voice.
4: The series Reservation Dogs on FX on Hulu follows the lives of indigenous teenagers in Oklahoma. Here's how Sterling Harjo described the series during an interview this summer on the talk show Native America Calling.
3: What's amazing about this show
1: is all of the writers and all the creators of the show are native, and so we weren't afraid to just be like, "Yo, like we have interesting lives and we have interesting communities, and we celebrate that. and We tell it how it is." And I think that like having indigenous creators and indigenous directors, like and writers, like I, I think that they're just like we we were fearless in telling the story of who we are and it's something that i've always wanted to do it's something i've always strived to do in all of my work um it's just like kind of like not censoring ourselves because we're afraid of what white america will think about us it's celebrating the fact that we're different and that our communities are different like that's the That's the element that I feel like is different about this show.
4: Harjo and actors presented the Emmy for Outstanding Directing in a limited series. On Friday, U.S. Secretary of the Interior Deb Holland signed the Confederated Salish and Kootenai Tribes Water Rights Compact. It formally executes the Montana Water Rights Protection Act enacted by Congress in December 2020. With the signature, the tribes can now begin to implement the compact. Tribal leaders say the compact will help protect water for future generations to come. Native women's advocates marched to the Navajo Nation Capitol in Window Rock, Arizona Friday. Advocates are calling on the tribe's lawmakers and leaders to allocate funding to address sexual abuse and missing and murdered indigenous people. Advocates are also seeking the creation of a position to track crimes committed on the reservation. I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
1: Support by the Sanoski Chambers Law Firm, championing tribal sovereignty and defending Native American rights since 1976 with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.
0: In regional news... Shortly before 2 p.m., a structure fire leading to a small vegetation fire was reported off Highway 49 and Ladybird Drive. Multiple propane tank explosions occurred at the back of the house, writes Eubenet. All four inhabitants of the property were checked for injuries, and the blaze was mitigated at less than half an acre. The fire could be seen while driving along Highway 49 and was the cause of massive slowdowns in traffic. It is currently 100% contained but as of 4.30, traffic was reported as still being slow around the area. Hundreds of people turned out for this weekend's South Yuba River Citizens League's 24th annual Yuba River cleanup. This year's cleanup had two different phases, a self-guided cleanup which took place from September 11th through the 17th, and the community cleanup this past Saturday. Over 150 volunteers removed 2,600 pounds of trash and recycling from 12 sites along the South Yuba, Deer Creek, and Wolf Creek during the self-guided segment. Not to be outdone, Saturday's community cleanup crew of 250 volunteers collected an additional 10,000 pounds. Mattresses, mining equipment, desk chairs, and more were some of the notable pieces hauled away. However, the winners of the 2021 Trash or Treasure river cleanup contest are still to be announced. Let's see if anyone can beat last year's most useful find category winner, a full size beer keg. Today, California Insurance Commissioner Ricardo Lara announced a one-year ban preventing insurance carriers from dropping homeowners in areas affected by the river, Dixie, Caldor, and other major 2021 wildfires. The moratorium affects roughly 325,000 homeowners and covers parts of 22 counties across Northern California, this reported by the Sacramento Bee. The Nevada County Board of Supervisors approved two resolutions awarding $465,000 to Interfaith Food Ministry and $350,000 to Gold County Senior Services from Community Development Block Grant funding to support food distribution to low-income seniors. The grant funding will expand the Gold Country Senior Service's Meals on Wheels program to an additional 98 seniors currently on the wait list, increase from one meal to two meals per day for 600 low-income seniors, provide shelf-stable meals for seniors during public safety power shutoff events, and expand services to include seniors in the more rural areas of Nevada County. The final stretch of Highway 50, forced closed by the Caldor Fire for the past month, is expected to reopen Tuesday morning, authorities say. In a virtual wildfire briefing Sunday evening, Caltrans spokesperson Angela DePrato said they will begin allowing the general public access starting at 8 a.m. tomorrow. The highway currently remains shut down in both directions between Kybers and Myers for general travel. Caltrans and the Nevada County Transit Commission seek public feedback on the proposed State Route 49 Corridor Improvement Project. Community members are invited to join their second virtual public workshop this Wednesday, September twenty-second, from 6 to 7 p.m. During the presentation, community members will learn about the project alternatives, view displays and maps, and learn where they can review the draft environmental document, which is available for comment through October eighth. Go to MyNevadaCounty.com for details on how to participate in Wednesday's virtual workshop. A quick traffic update. Caltrans continues I-80 ramp closures between Castle Peak and the Nevada State Line for paving work this week. The $2.4 million project addresses deteriorated interstate on-and-off ramps at various locations in Nevada and Placer Counties. Ramps throughout the region may be closed intermittently for paving, joint sealing, striping, and concrete. Motorists are advised to use signed detour routes for I-80 travel during the temporary ramp closures. And now for regional weather and your air quality index. There is a red flag warning in effect for much of our listening area through 11 a.m. tomorrow. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 59 Winds could gust as high as 21 miles per hour. Tomorrow, sunny, with a high near 92. Current air quality is good, with an AQI of 41. Tomorrow's air quality is moderate, with a potential AQI of 77. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, clear, with a low around 37. Tomorrow, sunny, with a high near 77. Current air quality is good, with an AQI of 2. You heard right, 2. Tomorrow's air quality is moderate, with a potential AQI of 87. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, clear, with a low around 60. Tomorrow, sunny, with a high near 95. Current air quality is good, with an AQI of 7. Tomorrow, moderate, with a potential AQI of 75. In summation, air quality for most of our listening area is good today, so make the most of it and get outside if you're able. Next, we take our bi-weekly walk in the park with Sid Brown. Sid Brown sits on the board of the Sierra Gold Parks Foundation and joins us every other week with news and updates from Nevada County's three state parks. Learn more at sierragoldparksfoundation.org.
5: Good news to report. I think the last time we spoke, uh, we were experiencing a total closure of the U.S. Forest Service lands in all of Northern California. And I'm very happy to say, as of now, most of the forest lands are now open to public entry, use, recreation. I'd like to remind you that whenever you're in the in nature and in the back country and on the trails of around Nevada City, Grass Valley, our state parks, it's a great idea to always hike with an empty garbage bag or a bucket and pick up the trash that you see along the way because it does accumulate. And we have just experienced a very worthwhile and wonderful week of cleaning up our watershed through volunteer efforts associated with the South Yuba River Citizens League, as well as the Bear Yuba Land Trust. A number of nonprofits of groups have gone out and done a heroic job of of cleaning up and picking up. So when you go to your favorite outdoor places right now, they might be a little cleaner than when you last visited. And if you could do everything you can to help keep them that way, it's so appreciated. Many of our areas do not have trash service or garbage pickup. And so there's just really no good place to put things. So we really encourage the leave no trace ethic. You come with something that's got a wrapper, you know, just put it in your backpack or your pocket, take it home and dispose of it properly. So the thing about trash is it is unsightly and it's also dangerous for animals and ingesting plastic and bits of paper and it pollutes the watershed. So everything you can do to keep our area as pristine and clean as possible is so appreciated. Right now, mid-September, mid to late September is a beautiful time of year. So the skies are blue right now. The air is a little cooler. If you've been avoiding going to the river because of the crowds, well, now that it's after Labor Day, the river is not nearly as crowded as it was. Of course, the temperature of the water is a little colder, but there is a wonderful opportunity to have a quiet, reflective, appreciative time at the South Yuba River. So the Yuba River is running clear. It's running cold, and it's a beautiful river that really links our community together. Well, we had a very interesting town hall addressing visitor use impacts, hosted by YubaNet and South Yuba River Citizens League, and that was involved South Yuba River Citizens League staff and Bear Yuba Land Trust, and the landowners from the Bureau of Land Management and State Parks Management, Um, Dan Canfield from the Sierra District, and Jeff Horn from the Bureau of Land Management. Circle is going to be conducting a river impact survey, and this town hall was to provide a a baseline of information of, of ideas and concerns associated with public use at the river, and some sort of sidebars or limitations about legal issues that prevent uh, the land managers from carrying out some of the ideas that the people have been talking about over the years, not to say that something could be done and things could change in the future course, Nevada County did participate in this town hall. Uh, Supervisor Heidi Hall was on that um, Zoom meeting. So be advised that there will be a broadly circulated um, public survey that the South Uber River Citizens League would love to have your input as we try to formulate and involve the public in coming up with solutions for the impacts associated with our visitor use. I will say that from all reports that I've heard from the land managers that this year's public use and impact has not been as severe and impactful as last summer as the previous year. So hopefully some of our messaging is getting out. We want to remind people that there is no parking on areas, and when you see a no parking sign, please don't park there. It's so critical for emergency vehicles to be able to have access, and when cars block our narrow mountain roads, you could have a very uh, severe unintended consequence from your illegally parked car, so park off the road, but... Don't park over dry grass because, of course, we do have concerns over starting fires with catalytic converters and hot parts of cars. Okay, well, I think that's all for now. I do want to give a couple of updates. Um, The Independence Trail in the area of the Jones Bar Fire last year is still closed to public entry, but the Independence Trail East is open All the other trails at South Yuba River State Park and at Malakoff Diggins State Park and at Empire Mines Historic Park are open for your enjoyment. Please appreciate nature. Understand that we are so lucky to live in this beautiful place, and let's all work together to, to keep it that way. Educate your friends and family about good, responsible recreation And pay attention, be aware of your surroundings as we still are in the midst of a very severe fire season. So do your best to not be a part of the problem and stay advised and be safe.
0: That's our newscast for this Monday. You can listen to an extended version of A Walk in the Park on our webpage, kvmr.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. KVMR gets support from Seen Skin Care, offering organic, farm to face skincare and aesthetic services, utilizing an apothecary back bar of skincare products curated on site from local organically grown ingredients. Open by appointment only, including weekends, S E E N Skincare.com, and 1849 Brewing Company brewing loggers ales and a variety of craft beers offering a pub style menu including wood fired pizzas on sutton way behind the union newspaper in grass valley 1849brewingco.com stick around at 630 it's the women's international news gathering service wings then at 7 we have democracy now with host amy goodman Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Have a good Monday.